Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hometown Roofing, your local hometown roofing company, will complete your roof project as painless as possible, and they will never place any pressure on you during the sales process. Visit HometownRoofingContractingPA.com. Hometown Roofing, put your hometown trust in us. This is the Hometown Roofing Pop and Pony Podcast, presented by Hometown Roofing. Put your trust in us. And powered by Bowser Chevrolet. Here's Bob Pompiani from KDKA-TV and Andrew Filipponi from 93.7 The Fan. All right, we're honored to have as our first guest on the Pop and Pony Podcast, a man who I consider to be the most versatile broadcaster ever. And I mm. truly mean that because he does everything. I mean... You, you mention a, a subject to him, he'll come up with it, he'll do it, and he'll do it like he's been on top of it for 100 years. That, of course, is CBS broadcaster Jim Nance, who will be calling the Super Bowl once again this year. Jim, thank you so much for making the time. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Bob, you're a great friend. Thank you for those warm comments. Andrew, good to be with you, too. And, um, guys, it's an exciting time right now. Super Bowl right around the corner. Jim, we're looking to loosen people up in these interviews. Uh, Bob said that you guys okay. got close in Nagano, but I don't know if this is even the right place to share some of those stories, right, Bob? Nagano, still... Japan. 19... See, that's what, that's what I'm talking about. A versatile guy. He called the Olympics. He does whatever. You remember all that, Jim, back in Nagano, yeah. Japan. I do. How fast? So that was 23 years ago. This week, I left for Nagano and spent almost, what, almost six weeks over there. And it was a tough Olympics to do. I don't know if you remember, but... You know, the time change was at a certain point where you were basically doing the primetime show in the middle of the night and, or in the early morning, and it was crazy. But what a, what a gift to be able to have that experience. And you know what? I plan on going back here as soon as my youngest children are old enough to appreciate and understand it and taking them back up there uh, and just showing them that whole region up there in the Japanese Alps. I can't wait to show them. You know, I have the same uh opinion i told my wife take lisa me. we'll take you but we, we we were stationed up in hakuba where they did a lot of the stuff all over the place and i thought man the hospitality of the japanese people and just how wonderful that experience was i said we're going to do that one day so yeah i think that's a great thing but i thought you were outstanding there i know it's a whole thing we did live shots at five in the morning you know to be on at six o'clock at night or whatever the time tra- uh, change was but jim the one thing i know about you is that uh, no matter what the assignment, man, you're on top of it. And I know golf is, in particular, the sport that when I think of golf, I think of you. I think of CBS, I think of you calling these things. You've had some memorable calls. And I just want to ask you, what is your best one? Because you've seen Tiger's first, you've seen his 15th. Uh, 
One for the Ages is something that still resonates. What is one of those calls that stands out to you more than any? Gosh, well, I got to tell you, Bobby, there's so many that I just feel fortunate to have been in a chair greenside to call them. Uh, take Jack Nicholas in 86 when, when the bear came out of hibernation is what I said when he made a pivotal birdie on the 70th hole and went on to win at the age of 46. It was unheard of. How could a guy at that age win the Masters, his sixth green jacket? So that one's always special. But I, I think Tiger in, in 2019, just given the story, the, the, the drama of the story, the up, the down, the injuries, the life-changing events, and then people thinking that it would never happen again. And that scene that played out uh, on the 18th green after he finished and hugging his son, hugging his daughter. You know, I was there for the win for the ages in 97, and there he was hugging his father, the father hugging the son, and now just just the just the symmetry now of Tiger now being the father and hugging his children. It was powerful. I mean, it was like sports and storytelling at its best. And I've got to tell you, I'm still to this day, I'm really proud. You don't know exactly, you, you play instincts. But my, my gut told me at the time to say nothing. Once he knocked the ball in the hole, uh, I said, the return to glory. It wasn't <laughs> like with a real high-pitched excitement. I, just this is the way it felt naturally. It's just the guy had been through so much, it was a statement about someone's life. And at that point, for all, I believe almost three minutes, Nick Faldo and I never said another word. Mm-hmm. What could you say over those visuals that were just jumping off the screen? And, um, yeah, I'm really proud of, of, of having had so many years to be at the Masters and to be at some of these incredible, memorable stories that will last for centuries. That one will last forever. Jack's win will last forever. And uh, to have a voice and try to lend a little bit of the narrative, I'm a lucky guy. Jim, do you start brainstorming those things way in advance? Are you already thinking about if the Chiefs win, what you'll say at the end of the game, or if the Bucks no, I have win? no idea. Interesting. No idea. Um, but, you know, your brain just kind of works in a way. You hear things, you think, I kind of like that. Or, mm-hmm. you know, you say something to yourself to try to put things in perspective. I have no clue what I would say for the Super Bowl. I can tell you this, Andrew. When Tiger won in 97, yeah. he won by 12 shots. And he had a nine-shot lead going into the final round. Yeah, did I think about it on Saturday? You better believe it. I knew the clip of him putting out that last stroke would be played back centuries from now when some broadcast group, hopefully CBS, comes on the air in in 200 years. They're going to have that in their montage. And along with it will be, who was that guy that said it? (laughs) There it is, a win for the ages. You know, you have to be ready for those moments particularly when you know what the moment's going to look like. You have a pretty good sense of it. But when he won in 19 and I said the return to glory, I had no idea what was going to leave my lips until he was coming up 18. And I just saw the family right below the tower waiting for him behind the green. And I just thought, man, this is a man whose life has come full circle. And he's returning to a place that he was familiar with for so much of his life, the position of being the king. And Somehow, you know, those all those different thought patterns just left my lips as the return to glory. And I'm glad I said it. I didn't know if it made any sense, but I've been asked 
about it many times since. And it felt like the right thing to say on the moment. Oh, it was fantastic. I thought it captured it all, and the silence and the pictures said it all. Uh, I think that's a sign of someone who knows what he's doing, that you get out of the way, you let it you let it happen, and you did. Which, and Since we're talking about golf, I want to ask you about that uh, hole in the backyard you have. <laughs> Um, because I know a lot of people like uh, Brady and Romo have played it. And um, how did that all come to be? And I know you're a good golfer. Is this a design for you to bring guests outside after a couple of wines and all of a sudden, let's go. Let's you know, go. I got yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. And I'm always kind of tinkering with it. And I'm about to go through a complete renovation. You know, like all these great golf courses. I don't <laughs> care what it is. Oakmont, Augusta, whatever they're constantly tweaking it. I'm not trying to put my golf hole in that kind of company, but it's my own personal pet project, and it's turned out to be so much fun that I'm, I'm about to get a group called Back Nine Greens to come in, and uh, we're going to we're gonna uh, amplify a little bit some of the bunkering Ooh. and make those a little bit more dramatic. What I had is I had a, a pretty good-sized piece of land in the back of the house that was, was grassed over, you know, and out here in California, water is expensive. I mean, it is crazy expensive. And I thought, what can I do with this area? We're going to have to throw water on it. We're going to have some fun. Ah, I know. I'll put in a putting green. <laughs> and as soon as I thought about a putting green, I thought, man, if I could go over to that end of the property and put a tee box, that could be kind of cool. So I went to that area where the tee would be, and it didn't look anything like the area. And that was really a uh, overgrown area. I can see the seventh hole at Pebble Beach from that spot. Wow. And I thought, well, that's what I've got to do. I've got to build a replica of the seventh hole. You stand at the tee and you look over in one direction and you see the hole. And then you look to, over your left shoulder, if you're right-handed golfer, look over your left shoulder, and there it is. <laughs> it's half the distance, half the vertical drop. It breaks and everything about it is pretty much spot on to scale of the real hole. And we've had just a ton of fun. Like you said, Peyton's place with Tom Brady was taped there. I've had Jack Nicholas. I've had, listen, your very own Arnold Palmer. Oh, yeah. The last golf ball he ever hit in the United States was up on that tee. Holy wow. He hit a cow. ball at St. Andrews Yep, um, at, a, at the 2015 Open Championship where they had the exhibition. He had a ceremonial shot off the first tee. But that's the last shot, my understanding, he ever hit in the United States. He put it within 10 backyard. feet, Jim? He put it right he on the money. Put it within two feet. Oh. Put it within two feet. And you gave that him the putt. I hope. Hole, <laughs> how I would have loved for it to have gone in because oh. I have a thing called the Rock of Fame. Uh huh. And if you make it, your name goes on a very expensive plaque. It cost me about two hundred fifty bucks any time somebody makes it. They go on the Rock of Fame. I've got Tony Romo. I've got David Faraday, Nick Faldo, Phil Mickelson, uh, Ian Poulter, Michael Wilbon, um, and Brant Snedeker's made it twice. I think wow. there are sixteen names on the Rock of Fame, but the people who haven't made it is a pretty darn good list, too. I already told you, too, uh, Brady and Manning, of course, have hit a ton. And I had Patrick Mahomes right after the Super Bowl last year. He came out here. He wanted to try to get on the Rock of Fame. <laughs> and he gave it a bunch of swings. And he'll be coming back because he didn't make it. Uh, and just last week, I had Justin Herbert, quarterback of the Chargers, will be the rookie of the year. He was playing at Pebble Beach, and Word got back to me that um, you know, he wanted to make a, uh, a quick hello and introduction and went down to see him on the course and invited him up to give it his best shot for the Rock of Fame. So it's fun, and that's what it's all about. Is the win the same as it was when you uh, you know, you're on the regular number seven? 
Do you get do you get the gusts there? Or <laughs> oh, how? Yeah, it can it can get swirling. By the way, I forgot for you guys. I Roethlisberger's hit balls back there. Okay, I'm not surprised by yeah, that. Ben, ben was in Ben was in town playing in a in a in a tournament with three of his buddies, including Joe, his pro, and uh, uh, they they were out here. This was a couple of years ago, and they came up to the house. He's got a beautiful golf swing, by the way, mm. and he came pretty close, but. He didn't make it, and I'd love to have him back sometime. Yeah, he's a sandbagger, too. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, Jim, I've, I've probably waited my entire life to ask you this question. Do you still Ooh. have the laminated piece of burnt toast in your wallet? <laughs> you know, that is a fixation. Of, <laughs> of mine. Uh, of mine, Jim. Of the blogosphere. It's a, it's a non-story. It was a joke. I wrote it as a joke in a piece for Golf Digest uh-huh. called uh, My... What was it called? My turn or something like that. And it would be like 20 vignettes of things that you thought were funny. Uh-huh. Like I said, uh, what would be my favorite sporting event of all time? And I had my son winning the Masters, and I would retire on the spot. Mm-hmm. I would say, hello, son, and goodbye, friends. Now, I actually might do that. <laughs> I, I like my, that. My oh, greatest putter of all, uh, my great, the greatest putter of all time was my roommate in college. Um, not, not Fred Couples, but uh, John Horn. And then, you know, I, I, I got into this fixation about things I like, and I like my toast a little bit crunchy. Mm-hmm. And that's what it turned out to be. And, of course, Deadspin picked it up. Mm-hmm. So let's give them credit for making this into something it isn't. <laughs> and uh, it, it turned into, like, I'm a wacko because I like my toast a little bit on the more well-done side. And so, no, there's nothing there, but I get asked about it a lot. So I like the fact that people think I'm a little bit crazy. I thought it was uh, a practical idea. The way you laid it out, Jim, yeah. I'm, I'm wasting all this time sending breakfast back, having them bring it back. I, I thought I'm, I'm going to yes, do this. Yes, you remember. Yeah. I had it down to save me two full days a year. Yep. I, yep. You know, if, I, if it <laughs> saves me an hour a week from having to send back the Jim, I bought it. First off, I'm sitting here eating an Atkins uh, protein drink shake, and I never eat toast. That's <laughs> the real truth because wow. I'm always carbo-counting. Uh, carbo eliminating, but anyway, yeah, I had it saved me two full days a year. I thought it was pretty clever the way I wrote it. Yeah, it's just once you find out you write something like that, then somebody tries to portray you in another light. It was it was an interesting it was an interesting experience. See, it's all show and tell. It's like if you want to get your hair done differently, you bring a picture of something that would make the uh, you know salon yeah. person understand what it is. Jim so. Bob's hair still looks the same it did twenty three years ago in Nagano. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. It's held up with moose and a why lot of it? lacquer. When, when you got when you're as handsome as he is, why change? <laughs> hey, I want to ask you about now. We got Super Bowl Fifty Five, and I know you're excited about this. You and Tony Romo work so well together, but I don't think I, people understand. Andrew, we know how this works, but people don't understand how big of an undertaking it is, and all the things that you have to go through sure. in preparation of it. And I don't think anyone will ever understand until they see it firsthand. But um, you've done it before. Is it easier now, or is it still as demanding? The process, if you really want to do the game right from the play-by-play side, make sure you're on top of all the stories. Uh, and this is not a complaint, because I enjoy it. It is long and tedious. If you saw my desk right now, it is a mess. It is stacked high with little crazy research notes. I've got people that know how much I love these nuggets, and then it becomes a case of can I keep them in my head, uh, because I can't be... Or like notes while you're on the air, you're looking at the field at all times. Um, here's one that just came in today. There has never been a punt return for a touchdown in Super Bowl history. Hmm. 
Wow. Now, if somebody's running one back like Nicole, I'm going to say that in the middle of the call. I remember going into a Super Bowl I had one time that there had never been an opening kickoff return for a touchdown. And Devin Hester yep. ended up returning the opening kickoff for a touchdown. So, you know, there's all kinds of this little um, that that's just one example. I'm going through pages that I that I print off. Um, you know, Harrison Butker um, was five for five this year from from 50 plus, including playoffs. But he missed he missed seven from 33 as PATs. <laughs> you know, he missed seven point afters, and he missed a 33 yard field goal. So, you know, his ideal yardage, if he was a golfer, is he doesn't want to lay up to 33 yards because he can't hit the shot. Put him back at 50, and he can make it. So, my head will be swimming. I will go through all this stuff. Thankfully, I'm, my memory's good, and I can retain a lot of it. And when the game comes, you just like to be able to be right on top of the uh, of the game and no one having to tell you or prompt you or you just have it you know you're fully covered and i love that i love getting ready for it mm. jim i don't have the sophisticated uh palette that bob does so i'm looking for some wine advice and i figure i've come to the right place now that we have you on the phone so mm-hmm. if i'm just starting the first step of the journey as confucius says is like the hardest one if i'm just getting into this give me some tips Well, you don't have to go spend $100 on a bottle of wine to enjoy great wine. Mm. So, uh, and by the way, I don't want to sound like I'm the foremost expert in the world asking me because I am in the wine business with with, uh, my wine partner, uh, Peter Deutsch, The Calling. And we're now approaching almost 10 years since we first went public. And we're in 5,000 restaurants nationally. And we're with it. And we try to exceed people's expectations and over deliver on price. You could find a lot of great wines that are, you know, under twenty five, under thirty dollars a bottle retail. And I love it. So uh, it's kind of it part of the fun is just experimenting and finding out what you really enjoy. And it's all personal. You know, your 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 taste profile is gonna be different than Bob's and um, it's something that uh, I always enjoyed as like, someone who lives on the road and normally has the occasion to go out to dinner with uh, my running mates two or three times a week. That's what I enjoy doing. I don't like hanging out in bars or hanging out in lobbies. I like to go to a nice restaurant in whatever city I'm in and enjoy a great bottle of wine and some great conversation. So eventually, uh, knowing some people that are in the wine industry, I thought, I'd kind of like to get into this a little bit, have some fun with it, because I'd studied it, and it's been fun. But it's a process. I think you know a little bit more about it than you're leading on, Andrew. I really do. He does. I can give you a lot more tips on uh, great wine than I can burnt toast. I can tell you that. <laughs> well, listen, I'm going to turn him on to the calling. I'm going to get him off Mad Dog 2020. That's a start, <laughs> and that's where we're going. But, Jim, I just wanted to say, Andrew and I both really appreciate your time. Absolutely. And you're one of the best, if not the best. I've always looked up to you, and I will continue to do that. And best of luck in Super Bowl 55. You're a great friend. The Pomp and Pony show has tremendous potential, and I wish you guys well with it. And sometime in the not-so-distant future, let's do it again. Wow. Okay. We'll definitely do that. I mean, you know, let's, but I'm not talking like tomorrow, but... No, I know. <laughs> you have enough going on. I know on. sometime as you, as you get your legs, you're not going to want me on tomorrow, but you guys are friends, and... You, you bring know, the wine, always... Jim? How about that? How's that sound? <laughs> 
Uh, we'll all get together. You, uh, that we could we could arrange that. It doesn't work virtually. Make that happen. You know, you don't. You can't. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't work. Anyway, Jim, all the best to you. Give uh, my best to all my pals there in uh, in Pittsburgh, and there are many. You know that I've got I've got great friends. You do, uh, Bob. You know you're you know you're right there on that short list with the Jim Roars and and the David Malones, and it goes on and on and on. And I'm just grateful for all of you guys. All the best to you, Jim. Thanks, Thank Jim. you. You've been listening to the Hometown Roofing Pomp and Pony Podcast. Hometown Roofing, put your trust in us. And powered by Bowser Chevrolet. Join us each week for another Hometown Roofing Pomp and Pony Podcast.